Philo community, welcome to another episode of the Philo podcast. If you're new to the Philo community, welcome. If you're not so new, well, you're welcome too. Our hope is that through this podcast, the Philo cohorts, our book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, and the Philo conference, that we can help people become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. And hopefully the conversation today will help achieve this goal. Getting right to it. On the podcast today, we have Dan Johnson. He's the technical director at Mars Hill Bible Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and has a huge heart for serving in the local church. We first got connected because Dan works closely with Delwyn Island, who is the Philo Conference worship leader, and he's also the worship leader at Mars Hill Church. And through that connection, Dan and his daughter Ellery have been serving the Philo community on the stage team at the conference for the last couple of years. And Dan leads an all-volunteer production team each week, And we thought it would be great to have a conversation with Dan about how he keeps it all going, how he recruits and trains and just makes it all happen. So let's just jump right in. Dan, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see you. We seems like we see each other once a year. So this is twice. So we'll have to... (laughs) We've doubled it. Up up in the game. Yeah. (laughs) Before we get too far into the conversation, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what it is you do now? And then maybe your story of how you ended up kind of in this place. Okay, sounds good. Currently, right now, today, Technical and Facilities Director for Mars Hill Bible Church. So in its design, it's supposed to be 75% Technical Director, 25% Facilities Director, uh-huh. and that gets blurry uh, depending on the <laughs> yeah. season, as you can imagine. Right, right. <laughs> and so basically, Technical Director here at Mars Hill is basically over production in all of our program spaces. So, you know, what everyone would think of when you think of a church technical director. So lights, video, sound in our primary sanctuary. And then we have two other programming spaces, kind of a 250 seat and then a like 150 seat. So my job is to keep that production equipment kind of up and running and ready for whatever yep. might take place. Um and I assist, obviously, all the pastors with whatever technical needs they they might have. And I'm not. I'm guessing that other people have this too. But people think technical director means IT director. So right. I get, you know, I get pulled into. Damn, my Mac won't print anymore. I get pulled into a lot of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is fine. And then about a year after I started here, they handed me the facilities, which we have a group of three staff members. That I basically lead. So I'm in mm-hmm. the beautiful uh, spot of middle management, I guess you would call it. Okay. <laughs> you know? But it's kind of it's kind of unique. It's beautiful because my job essentially is to remove distractions, and I get to do that from the driveway all the way to the platform. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Making yeah, the yeah. place, you know, nice and nice looking and clean and organized and working well for the pastors and the ministries and the people that attend hopefully distraction-free. So it's, it actually, shockingly, kind of works works well together. Sure, right. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So I was, I've been on staff about seven years here. Okay. Before that, I was volunteering here. I was okay. running front of house as a volunteer. And I have been, I'll tell you what, I've been mixing audio since I was a kid. My dad actually was a musician. Uh, he recorded five gospel records and when nice. I was ten years old, I was his I was his sound guy, you know, with the old okay. LTech Lansing tube amp, 
and uh, Mixer, the five channel. I think it was a five channel. I mean, it was big. Yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. Were they baby. knobs or faders? It had, did uh, knobs, absolutely okay, knobs. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but as a little kid, I learned how to do all that stuff, and that just has been kind of my first love through all of it. So, my predecessor was here, and he had left for another position, and. Our, uh, one of our pastors, Troy Hatfield, approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in applying for the position. And I was a full-time photographer at the time, okay. videography, ph- photography, sure, which I had been for about 15 years. And I said, yeah, I think I'm good. I'll just keep volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> and then a month later, he called me back and asked me to consider it. And then I talked to my wife about it. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's other people like this as well. I I know exactly whether it's a good idea or not when I talk to my spouse, talk to my spouse, and she sat quietly for a second and then said, boy, I think Mm -hmm. you'd be really good at that. So that was it. We jumped in and jumped in with both feet and have been doing it ever since. So it's kind of fun. I get a little background of photography, videography, been running sound my whole life, and all those things kind of come together pretty good in this role. Yeah, nice. I mean, IT facilities, like all the all the technical adjacent tasks seem like uh, they sort of get lumped all together. So it's nice to hear somebody that's enjoying that sort of connection. Maybe not so much with the IT, but. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Well, I think the best part for me is I think I'm wired just to be a, a helper. Okay. Enabler. I think the right word is enabler. Okay. So that's kind of my wiring. Like, I want to be the right-hand guy. I want to be the guy that makes things work for the person up front. Sure, So, okay. you know, for me, that's all of our pastors. I can impact all of our ministries from my little TD desk over here, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody yesterday maybe about the just the idea of all the unseen parts of what we do that we will never really know kind of the impact that can happen. But from your seat, all the lives that are touched, you know, through the things that are happening that you're helping to facilitate, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a gift. And it's pretty cool that you're aware of it too. I mean, I think that it's so easy to lose sight of just that we get to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe we don't have the words or we're not singing the songs or whatever, but that all that kind of flows through the stuff that you're responsible for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. It's fulfilling. It helps give meaning to what could be just mundane, repetitive, every single week stuff. Right. But if you stick around and see what's going on or pay attention during ministry, you see a lot of really cool things happening that probably wouldn't happen or, or at least wouldn't sound as good or look as good if if you weren't there. And, and that's, right. you know, right, right. pretty cool. Yeah. So important. So one of the things that I was interested in talking with you about today is volunteers. I mean, your whole technical side of the ministry, all volunteers? All volunteers. Except for you? I, yeah. So I have two assistant TDs that are subcontracted. Okay. So I have two guys that I pay. Essentially, I pay them each once a month to run a service. Okay. So what we began to realize during COVID— was if I got hit by a bus, we were in trouble. Sure, right. You know, like, <laughs> uh, and maybe it wouldn't be a bus, but you get the idea. Yeah, right. And there wasn't there wasn't anybody that really fully understood everything that, that I did on a week-to-week basis. So we identified a couple of guys that were involved already 
and gave them extra training and said, would you, you know, once a month fill my position? So okay. that did a couple things. It gave me a week off once a month, which is great. But it also keeps two other people up to speed on what's going on. So sure, if I were to get sick. So those two technically are paid. They're just paid per event. But yep. then the okay. rest of the team is all volunteer. Okay. And on a weekly basis, how big is your team volunteer-wise? So technical is front of house audio pro presenter. So that's two. Broadcast audio is three. Switcher is four. And then we have one manned camera. So that's five. Okay. So I have nine static cameras and one manned camera. Wow. That man camera is pretty busy then, I'm guessing. It, you know, so the only, th <laughs> actually, not as busy as you'd think. He's, <laughs> okay. uh, he really only focuses on the teacher or the, we have a, a liturgist, someone that comes up on stage and helps facilitate different parts of the service. And okay. that's basically a waist up shot of the teacher or the person on the platform. Okay. And it just follows them around. So that's the only one that moves. All of our other cameras are just pointed at a certain person. Okay. Doing a certain thing so we can switch between them all. But sure. Okay. That way I only, I only need one. So what was that? Five people? Yeah. Okay. And maybe just another kind of interesting note is that your setup is in the round. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. It's in the round, <laughs> which is just, um, if anyone's thinking about doing that, just don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it adds a massive amount of complexity. So, you know, essentially we have four systems in our sanctuary because each direction needs its own. Sure, right. You know, we don't have two main speakers. We have eight. We don't yeah, have yeah. one projector. We have four. Uh -huh. You know, so there's a lot of challenges that come with this. Now, we do, essentially, we focus on our primary Camera three is our primary camera. It's on the west side of our sanctuary, pointed east. So I have color uh, walls on the east side of our sanctuary and things like that. But it's in the round, man. You don't people get up during the sermon, you know, and go to the bathroom. They yeah, walk right to the camera, and it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So anyway, we were talking about. You said five. You think it's five? A six with the TD, positions. but yeah, five. Yeah, essentially five right. positions. Yeah. Did you mention lighting in that? You know, so we run very simple lighting. Mars Hill traditionally is very low production. Okay. So I have a lighting computer with. Oh man, what's the lighting program? It's the one everybody's using these days. Is it LightKey? Anyway, it's super simple. Sure. Okay. We have maybe twelve lighting cues. That okay. are the push of a button. So either, uh, usually if I'm there, I'll run the lights. If I step away, the pro presenter guy can run the lights. We can okay. actually cue the lights with our slides if if we want to. Right, right. Which is handy. And then I can also, I also occasionally, if I'm in the back, for example, if I'm in our broadcast suite running broadcast audio or switcher, mm -hmm. I can remote into the lighting computer and control the lights from from the back. Sure. So we don't okay. have a – just because it's not a very involved position, we don't have a de dedicated person for the lights. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, when you were going through the names and the positions, I was thinking, yeah, no lighting person. But, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, it's not heavy lights, nothing nothing flashy. You know, I implemented colored lights in COVID. We had never had colored lights before COVID. Okay. We implemented colored lights, and we've just kept them. So, But nothing yeah. moving. 
Yep. Nice. <laughs> well, that definitely simplifies things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's tricky. Again, being in the round, we didn't want lights shining in people's faces for the whole time. Yeah. So that really limits what you can do. I mean, you know, other places use blinders creatively, which I would love to do. If we weren't in the round, we would probably do that. But there's just not sure, the ability right. to. Yeah, yeah. And I guess highlighting just this idea of the, you know, the lighting is not involved enough to have a key position or, you know, somebody at that position sort of leads to the conversation about volunteers and how you use them. And so, like, just the idea that there's not enough to do there. So, you know, how do we simplify it versus, you know, just have somebody sit there not really doing a whole lot? How have you, over the years, you know, figured out like what positions need somebody, you know, to, even to do nine unmanned cameras in one man, like just figuring out the size of your team. Yeah. How did you come to that? A big thing for me is efficiency. Okay. And you know, uh, I mean, you know, as well, at least for me, when I'm managing volunteers, I don't want to waste someone's time. Right. You know, everybody's got a busy life and they got enough going on. I didn't want someone to come in and just feel like they're not doing anything. Right. Probably every TD has had moments where you've had to do a lot of jobs as one person. Yeah. And over time, you figure out what's just completely unreasonable. You know, the number of jobs one person can do reasonably well, and it's not very many. So you, you, you learn over time that you need to have, you know, a person... Well, for us, anyway, we knew we needed a front of house. We knew we needed pro presenter. We knew we needed a switcher. You know, every now and then we'll do a very small event that I'll run myself. Yeah. But if they want it live streamed, I, you just can't do it. You got to have a second yeah, person. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah. I can remember in the early days of my life as a TD, our church decided, well, we were running out of space. And so we decided we're going to do video overflow. So this is like mid-90s or something. And we ended up getting three cameras and doing an overflow. And when I was setting up the – I knew nothing about video, but I was the audio person. But somebody had to do it. Yeah, yeah. And my whole thing was how can I – I need everything within reach of this one chair. Like I have to be able to touch (laughs) everything, which is really inefficient if you hope to involve other people because there's there's no room for me to get out of my way so I can reach that button. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's tempting. It's interesting you say that. I think I probably, with a little bit of work, could have almost everything in one spot uh-huh. at one desk. And it would be fun to try to do it myself. It'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah. It'd be crazy, and there would be errors. There'd be a lot of errors. But I didn't mention this before, but before... I was a photographer. I was actually a youth pastor Okay. for seven years. That was right out of college. And my students would ask me, you know, they would come to me and say, what? You know, my faith just feels dead. It just doesn't feel like I'm right. doing anything. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything. And my question right. to the students always was, well, what are you doing with your faith? Because mm. if you're not doing something with your faith, it's, it's going to feel pointless. What do I have this for if I'm not doing anything? And that's scriptural. Faith without yeah. works is dead. Yeah. So as much as I would, you know, maybe in a, a moment think, oh, I could do all this myself. Yeah. I think part of the role is helping the people in our congregation engage with the congregation by giving them a place to use their gifts. Yeah. And, a, a, you know, a place to do something they're good at that, you know, they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. And by doing so, you enable them to really um, connect, I guess, with their faith and make sure. their faith something that is impactful for others. So. 
and it's not just filling a position. It, it's giving people an opportunity to be a part of the body. Yeah. I also love just like the community that you develop and the relationships with the people you're serving with, that if you're just showing up to church and leaving, you're not developing any of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. And, you know, sometimes we, our tech team, we have a good time. And sometimes I think it annoys <laughs> the crap out of Doe, and I'll be honest. <laughs> we're back there having a good old time. You know, we're relaxing. I tell my tech team every, I, I email my tech team every Wednesday mm-hmm. with a blessing and a prayer for them. And mm-hmm. I always tell them in the email, if there's anything you need, just let me know because I want to come and help you. You help me every single week. Yeah, And, you know, there's opportunity for that. But, you know, we catch up and we see how each other are doing and talk about our kids and all that stuff. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I feel like I say this quite often, but most people, I think, start serving in production because it seems cool. Cool gear, get to play with a cool camera, whatever. But I think everybody who's around for any length of time, they're in it for the relationships. They get to do this together with, with a group of people they've become close to. Yeah, it's kind of like a small group. It's technically yeah. not, but it it certainly is. During the school year, for us, we try to do like a once a month. I just invite them over to my house, and we never get uh-huh. the full team. You know, half of them sure. will show up, and we do a campfire in the backyard, that sort of thing. But that relationship is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even hearing you say that, you know, it's like the whole team doesn't ever always show up. It's not a reason to not do it. Just for the people who do show up, it's so meaningful yourself included. Yeah. 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 So five people on a team and I have four different teams. So 20 people all together. Okay. And that gives me some flexibility and moving people around, that sort of thing. Sure. So you're coming into this role as a volunteer. That was your starting point. Mm -hmm. Did you have any big ideas about how to make it better experience for volunteers because you were one? Did you have big plans or did you just kind of (laughs) do an expanded version of what your volunteer role was at first. Yeah. I don't know that I came in with any great grand ideas. You know, I think I knew the things I didn't like as a volunteer. Okay. Which were very few. But I thought, you know, well, I'm not going to do those things. Right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, I'm not going to yell at my volunteer. Not not saying the other TD would. He would would, uh, spur us on in a good way. But um, I think, you know, a lot of the guys I still have— Today, a lot of the people I still have were on when I when I came in. Okay. You know, we've lost some and we've gained some. Yeah. But some of them are originals. They were here before I was here 15 years ago. They were here. Wow. One of the things that I noticed when I was leading volunteer teams is that right about the time you feel like you have just the right amount of people, somebody decides it's time for them to be done. And so then now you're shorthanded again. How have you managed just that tension of always recruiting people to your team? That's good. Well, I think there's a couple strategies. I would say retention strategies is one for me. Number two is cross-training. Okay. And then three is recruiting. Okay. So, And let me just run through those. So retention, obviously, I prefer to obviously keep the people that are trained and good at it and and doing what they do for as long as they can. So I try not to take advantage of them. I try not to schedule them too much. I try, you know, if they got a switch, I try to be really super easy about switching. You know, they're giving their time, so I want to be as easy as I can be. And like I said, supporting them and praying for them, I think that's, that's important. But with that said, as you 
indicated some people just have to step down. So we've had people switch churches, you know, they just go to a different church or, you know, their job takes off and they just don't have time, whatever. Right. And they have to step off the team. So part of relieving that pressure for, for me anyway, is cross training. Uh So what I'm trying to do is have anyone who's willing learn more than one role. Okay. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying, if they can run audio in front of house, I'm trying to let them get their feet wet running broadcast audio, which is similar, but different. Sure. Different enough. Yeah, right. Different enough, but trying to let them get their feet wet there. And then, you know, people that are running the switcher here, which well, I think you guys call it CG, computer graphics, CG, anyway. <laughs> yeah. What does it stand for? What does it yeah, stand maybe for? Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> I, let, I try to encourage them to run the camera. And I'll try to get some people that are running camera three back on the switcher. So they're kind of learning multiple roles. And that way, if someone steps off the team, I've got a little flexibility. I can move people around. Sure. I would also say you probably have a a longer list of people to call an emergency. Like so-and-so is sick. Yes. Hey, this person knows how to do the switcher. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, with that said, there's, you know, there's mistakes. There's errors if they don't run it regularly. but. You know, Mars Hill is not a perfect church, and no one expects us to be perfect, nor do they expect our broadcast to be perfect. But just to have someone who kind of knows they can just slip into that role on a, like you said, a crisis, they can jump in and, and fill in, which is super handy. Right, right. Aside from that, if I start getting the feeling like we're low, like I just don't have enough people in this one position, or in, in our case right now, we have another campus. We don't call it that. It's, our, it's just a another location in Grand Rapids that okay. meets on Sunday afternoon and we don't okay. have enough people. So then it comes down to recruiting. Uh, and I was telling Chelsea about this. She, she asked if we had a definition or a, a defined process. Okay. No, I don't have a defined <laughs> process. <one. laughs> yeah. You're kidding? No, I don't have a defined <laughs> process. But I will tell you what I, if I think about it, kind of my strategy for finding new mm-hmm. people it's kind of the funnel. You've heard everybody's heard of the sales funnel. Sure. You start big, start big at the top, right? So uh, we have at Mars Hill a couple of mechanisms for that. We have an email that goes out every week. We have social media. So if I have a need, a technical need, I'll send that to our communications team, and they'll print it. That's about as wide okay. as I can get. I've yeah, yeah. I've never had opportunity to ask for help from the platform. But in the defense of Mars Hill, I don't think I've ever asked Got it. to have yep. time to ask from the platform. So so that would probably be the widest. I've yeah. never even tried. So we go to social media, email, and that sometimes produces people, but not very okay. often. Yeah. The second version is I ask our team members if they would ask people they know. You know, they sure, would just right. talk about uh-huh. what they're doing. With their friends and say, "Hey, we need some help. Would you, you know, would you think about jumping in?" And that is more productive, at least in my opinion, more productive. Sure. Yeah. And then probably the most productive is for me to talk with people one on one. Okay. Which is the hardest because it has to gen- essentially happen on Sunday morning when I'm the busiest. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So if I've been a place where I really need somebody, I've made three-by-five cards, little okay. postcards, essentially, yeah. that tells about the position that I need help with. Okay. And I go out in our hallways, and I walk up to people 
Oh, wow. <laughs> and say, have you ever thought about doing this? You know, are, do you know how to work computers? You know, have you, uh-huh. do you like to mess with the sound in your, like, in your car? Like, right, right. And I actually look them in the face and say, you look like someone who might be really good on our tech team. (laughs) (laughs) And by far, that has produced more volunteers than any other. Now, yeah, granted, they need training. Sure. (laughs) I guess the the wide swath, that big email, that brings me the people that kind of know what they're doing already. Okay. You know, uh, they come to me and say, hey, I ran sound at my last church or... You know, I'm in production, event production. Can I help? Like, that's fantastic. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The one-on-one means I'm going to have to train them, but everyone's, most everyone's trainable. Right, you know? right. I mean, sound, front of house audio is probably the hardest thing to teach. I mean, you can hear it or you can't hear it, but. Right, right. So I got a question. I mean, are you, would you consider yourself an extrovert then? No. I mean, like going Heavens out, how no. do you, how do you uh, like, get into the frame of mind to just walk up to people? I I am a high functioning introvert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am a high functioning introvert, but I, you know, I'm good face to face with people. Uh-huh. If tr- if someone wants me to get on stage, I'm I'm not. That scares the living daylights out of me. Sure, what uh, you did you, for Philo? Yeah, you guys uh, put me on. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you wow. did awesome. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one to one, I'm good. So I can put on my uh-huh. big boy pants. And I can go out into the hallway and walk up and have a one-on-one conversation. So um, I'm okay with that. You know, I might okay. need to go home and take a nap when I'm done. But, right. <laughs> you know, but that is the relational is the best way, I think, face-to-face, direct, at least for me, that's been the best way for us to find new volunteers. And the same thing with uh, having our current team invite other people that might be interested. Sure. Yeah, that's some great stuff there. Yeah, I just can't imagine walking up to people in the lobby. (laughs) You know, what's funny is we have uh, our team is very wide in range of uh, uh, age. Uh Uh-huh. So my youngest right now is a sophomore in high school, uh, Jamie. She runs Camera 3 every Uh other week. And my oldest is, I don't know, probably close to 60 Okay. So, you know, I think even high school kids can do a lot of these roles. So yeah. I'll I'll go into the student ministries and talk with them. I, I would be comfortable with a middle schooler on a couple of these roles because these kids can do more than we think they can do. Sure, right. You know, they, they sit – I have a high schooler. She just graduated. Well, my daughter runs switchers. She's in her senior year, but one of our other switchers, she just graduated. And they sit there switching – 12 inputs, you know, nine cameras, nine static, one manned, and two computers. And she's on her cell phone at the same time doing other stuff. (laughs) You know, Aiden, don't you think maybe you should just focus on what you're doing? But she doesn't make any mistakes. She can do 18 (laughs) things at once. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. (laughs) I also love just that idea of young people and older people working together. I mean, there's something about what we can learn from each other and help each other and cross-train with each other. I mean, where else is a a senior in high school going to be rubbing shoulders with a 60-year-old that's not their parent or something? Yeah. Yeah. And these, the older folks love to teach the younger kids. They, they dig it. And there's, I think there's just a lot. And for that student, again, to be able to put their faith to work, to have a spot and, 
you know, for someone to say, hey, you can do this. You can, you know, you can make a difference in the kingdom even as a student, I think is a big deal. I think too many times our students are not, they're told they can't or they shouldn't. And right. I'll tell you what, as a TD, there's times when I, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm nervous, <laughs> you know, with the high schoolers involved, but they do a great job. Yeah, yeah. And, I uh, mean, somebody called me to it, uh, you know, uh, back when I was in middle school, high school. And so, I mean, I would yeah. not be here today had somebody not said, hey, do you want to help us here or yeah. join in with what we're doing? I mean, it was way simpler when I started. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And if you do go to your student ministries, uh, like I was involved, our student ministries kicked off last Sunday. And I was there just to make sure everything went well. And two different, I think they were middle schoolers, two different middle schoolers were just kind of nosing around. Yeah, right. There's my guys right there, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're the ones. So, yeah, yeah. And we have a handful of girls as well. They do. They do fantastic. They're they're yeah. not intimidated by it at all. Yeah, it's so great. So you uh, mentioned earlier that you were running broadcast audio for a service. Like how often are you sort of filling in versus keeping yourself available to train or Yeah. Put out fires. I my goal obviously is to be in my TD role only every single uh-huh. week. Yeah, yeah. Um, when that becomes challenging is uh, for us is holiday weekends. Sure. Um, you know where everyone's out of town, and so if there's a role that I just simply don't have someone for, I have to sit in on that role. Right. It doesn't happen a ton. It happens more in the summer for us. You know, West Michigan kind of empties out on the weekends. Sure, Everyone yeah, goes yeah. west. so <laughs> More west. More yeah. west, right, yeah. than, than we are now. During the school year, not very often. During the summer, a mm-hmm. couple times a month, I'm filling a position that that I wouldn't otherwise fill. Sure, yeah. yeah. And uh, so you talked earlier about cross-training as kind of one of your methods for keeping your team up and running and full. How do you do that? Is it something that you just throw somebody on camera three and hope they do okay. Actually, so interestingly enough, last year we moved to a Sunday morning only rehearsal. Okay. So we used to have Thursday nights where the band would rehearse, which sure. was a great training opportunity. And for various reasons, Delwyn discontinued the Thursday evening, and now we only have Sunday morning. Uh-huh. So essentially what I'm doing is each of my roles has a, a shadow role. Sure, okay. So in Pro Presenter, we'll have front of house and front of house shadow. And Pro Presenter and Pro Presenter shadow. Broadcast audio, broadcast audio shadow. So uh-huh. I'll ask, for example, one of my high schoolers, his name is Evan. He runs broadcast audio back here. He does a okay. great job. He's a senior in high school. He goes to school with my daughter. He's in the marching band. Great kid. And he runs broadcast audio. And I asked him if he would be interested. Say, hey, would you be interested in learning to run front of house audio and he Uh said yeah absolutely so i schedule him twice a month right now on broadcast audio and i just said would you be willing to do a third sunday a month to just shadow front of house for a while sure so he'll do a couple of months where he'll shadow he'll just kind of watch and then the next month i'll move him into the main role and i'll ask my regular guy to shadow him okay essentially they switch so sure um, so we'll let him get his hands on there with someone standing right behind him just to make sure he's, you know, getting it. 
and we run it sure. that way a couple times, and then we let them run on the zone. Okay. So we kind of work that system. And is it, I mean, you said it earlier, but I mean, is there a high tolerance for mistakes? Yeah, I'd just be curious how, how leadership feels about, because it's going to happen when you're, when you're training this many people and rotating them in and, uh, you know, that stuff yeah. is going to happen. Yeah. Mars Hill is, uh, well, I've mentioned before, kind of low production. Yeah. I don't know if everyone here agrees with my view of this, but okay. the church is for imperfect people. Sure. We're, this is where messed up people are supposed to come, you know. Yeah, yeah, And so yeah. I think if, if people have an expectation that church is going to be perfect, that's maybe not the right message we want to send. Sure. So I've repeatedly said to our, our we call it our Sunday team, it's our, produ- our Sunday production team, you know, that, listen, if, if our goal is perfection, I'm probably not your guy. Because, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yeah. you know, my goal is not perfection. I don't believe yeah. Jesus expects perfection out of any of us. Right. So if if the expectation is perfection, I think all of my tech team will probably say, I'm out. I'm out, yeah. You know, <laughs> because they, they're volunteers. They're, you know, if they were staff, I could, you know, I could give them, I could pressure them a little bit more to not make mistakes, but they're volunteers. So sure. one, thing we, one thing we have found is really, really clear correlation between repetitiveness and errors. Yeah. So, or frequency, I guess, and errors. So for example, in the past, I would schedule my teams once a month. Okay. Right? So they were here once a month, and that just wasn't enough. 12 times a year, they right. almost every time they were here, they would make a mistake. Sure. So... And what we found kind of relearning seems like we're relearning because a month is a long time. Yeah. And if we moved them to twice a month, we saw the mistakes go way down. Yeah, yeah. So that's when we said, well, if we do cross training, so we're scheduling. We have the same size team, but instead of scheduling them once a month, we're scheduling them twice a month, but maybe they're on different roles. Anyway, got it. It's it's confusing, but the repetitiveness has really reduced the the amount of errors. And in the training, we're trying to have someone that has done it for a long time right there over sure. their shoulder. So, you know, hopefully we we obviously want to minimize the training or minimize the mistakes. Per- sure, right. Particularly in the sanctuary on Sundays. Right. You know, we want to be as distraction free as we can and that sort of thing. But mistakes happen. So true. You know, and I could say, having you know worked at some pretty big places, you could have the best operators on the planet, and guess what? Mistakes still happen. So mistakes still happen. Yeah, it's something you know. to get over real quick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody, I mean, I mean, everybody, the band makes mistakes. The everybody makes mistakes. So there's no judgment. Right. You make a mistake. Yeah. You know, a lot of times my technicians are harder on themselves than I would ever be. For sure. Yep. You know. Yeah, I always found that getting on somebody's case for making a mistake usually made things worse, especially in the moment. You're distracting them from like the next cue they they could potentially miss. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I I learned a lesson a few years ago. It was an Easter Sunday morning, and I had a so obviously a, a big day. Yeah, yeah. And I had a <laughs> an older gentleman run in front of house. He had been running front of house for I don't know seven, eight, nine months. So he was relatively new, and he was very low in his confidence level, and he totally missed a cue. Uh-huh. And, you know, the lead singer started singing, and 
and their vocals weren't on in the house. <laughs> and the band stopped and oh. looked at me, and I went over and, you know, had them turn on the vocals, and the band took off, and I learned a, a valuable lesson. I sat on my desk in the sanctuary and put my head in my hands. <laughs> and that sent the right a message. terrible message yeah. to my very low confident front of house guy and the next week he resigned. Oh. And I still I was like, dude, no 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 no, like man, we all make mistakes, but he felt horrible and I think cuz he saw my physical <laughs> yeah. right. You know, so I've been when when somebody does make a st- mistake, I'm trying to not show it and find a sure. constructive way to approach them with that later. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So something of what we're talking about here is just making me think of your idea of retention and like the kind of culture you're creating on your team. Because that's really feels like how you're retaining people by, you know, the kind of environment that exists. Like, how are you working on retention as uh, actively, or is it just something in the back of your mind that you're doing subconsciously, or yeah, or do you have to work on you know creating this environment? So I think it's definitely intentional. I think to retain, mm-hmm. to be specific about retaining people is definitely intentional. So I would say my most valuable time is on Sunday mornings when we're all here together. Uh-huh. You know, when we've got five, six people here and we can all interact and. That's the best time relationally for all of us. But beyond that, there's a couple things very specifically that I do. One is I mentioned weekly emails. So every Wednesday morning, I write an email to my team. And um, it's similar to kind of the, the podcast you'll send out sometimes. It's, a, it's a, maybe a little scripture mm-hmm. and then a prayer and a blessing over them. So weekly, I'm sending them an email. I try to, during the good weather months here in West Michigan, invite everybody to my house once a month just for a campfire. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I do, and I guess this depends on your church, right? But I put in my budget uh, lunches. So like once a week-ish, I'll take one of my technicians out to lunch. Sure. So that's a good way to connect. And, you know, it takes a little while. But so every three months or so, I get out to lunch with every one of them. Okay. Yeah. So I think you have to be intentional. Yeah. For sure. At least for me, I do. Yeah. Sure, right. Yeah, I just find it so interesting. When I first started as a TD on staff, you know, I inherited a team that existed. And most everyone could have been my dad, you know, in age. And uh, that was so intimidating. But they all stuck around, you know, a good chunk of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they were not serving the person before me, but they were, you know, there just to be in a part of the church. Yeah. And, yeah, those people are so valuable to have around. Yeah. I just want them to know they're not, not just filling a role. They're not just yeah. doing a job. You know, I'm trying to keep up with them. I'm trying to know their kids' names and what their kids are doing and what their spouses are doing and what do they do for a job and how's their work going. And, yeah. you know, some of them are caring for aging parents and some of them are going off to college and, you know, trying to know what, about them. I yeah. I don't want them ever to feel like they're just pushing sliders or you know pushing buttons. Sure. I, yeah. You know. I mean, I think it's real easy to to get into the mode of every time you're communicating with your volunteer team that they feel like uh, the means to an end. You know, like I need you just yeah. to like accept this planning center request uh, versus. <laughs> 
they're a person and they, you know, yeah. you matter to them. And I think it's, that's yeah. so important. That's significant. And I'll even yeah. tell them, uh, I mean, I tell them I'm very grateful for what you do every week here, uh, but I'm more grateful for you. Yeah. Just as we've been talking, last summer I was in Lansing for a funeral and I we were like stopped at Panera just to eat something real quick before the funeral started. And one of my very first volunteers, one of these guys that was around before I started, mm -hmm. he walks in and like, okay, it's been like 30 years and... <laughs> And Lansing is nowhere near, you know, the church right. that, that we serve together. <laughs> and uh, it was very strange, but we had such a great time connecting and catching up. And yeah, just that there's still a connection there from the, from yeah. the investment uh, early on of time. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, you know, you're doing it right. If a technician leaves and you take it personally, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. probably is some indication that that you're building a good team when you're yeah yeah like legit sad they're going right man team is so great mm -hmm. any last thoughts anything we haven't covered just thinking about volunteers and volunteer recruiting and you know all of my brothers and sisters out there doing this doing this job doing this role you know i would say love on your volunteers and mm. If you're having a hard time finding them, maybe try that more personal route instead of just the email. Actually walking up to people and inviting. It's all about that invitation. And just see if maybe you maybe you have some success that way. Mm -hmm. Some people don't think they've got the right gifts. They feel like they don't. Maybe they don't feel like they're good enough. And with a little tiny bit of encouragement, you can say, "No, listen, you you can do this. You can you want yeah. if you want to contribute, I will teach you how to do this." And maybe that'll get someone who was on the sidelines watching involved and in the game. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I mean, just knowing a little bit about Mars Hill, and I mean, you've said it a couple of times. Technology is not the number one priority there, but I think the thing that I really love about your situation is that it it feels very much more obvious that it's about the people than it is about the the thing or the gear or the how many hazers are we running you know per service or whatever the I think it's so easy for us all to measure ourselves against what other churches are doing and just love love hearing your heart that it's it's about the people and we're doing something and we want to do it as good as we can but it's about being in relationship with people yeah, yeah, I I agree. I've always loved that about Mars Hill. And there's probably a lot of room for debate on this, but, you know, does the gospel need flashy lights and haze or can it stand on its own? I think Mars Hill from its beginning, kind of from its roots, has always been a simplified model. So for us to even have colored lights, I thought I was going to get... <laughs> I, I thought... I bought, I bought some movers once. You'll, you'll enjoy this. I bought some movers. There was a church downsizing. We had never had moving lights. Never. I bought yeah. four movers, and I brought one of my techs in. I was like, look at this, man. I got a great deal on these moving lights. And he looked <laughs> at him, and he looked at me, and he said, if you ever hang those up, I'm leaving. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> People like the simplicity yeah. of Mars Hill, you know, great yeah. chairs. I mean, I think it, it's, I think there's something about the personality of a church and 
the heart of a church. And I think for some churches, yeah, the moving lights and haze, it matches the, what they're doing and yes. who they are. And I think so often, I mean, I, I saw it happen. So many people would say, oh, I need to be more like that church. And so you're forcing moving lights right. when it doesn't really fit what your yeah. church is about. I don't want anybody to feel bad about their moving lights personally. And, and Delwyn would love it if I would add some of this stuff. I think lights in that production value has a very, very powerful tool in helping people engage and focus. Yeah. So light, you know, subtle lighting changes, things like that, that really draw people's attention. I'm a huge fan. So when I see all the, all the lights, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I would like, like <laughs> just want some more movers. And I might use them differently than other churches, particularly being in the round, but it's it's powerful, and if your church, um, you know, is be you, do do you, and do you. Be is, you, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, just doing moving lights because you think you should is not a good enough reason to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I just I love that you've been able to stay true to kind of who Mars Hill is with you know staying away from some of that stuff. I would think as a technical person. I mean, you tried to do it, you know, you bought a four moving lights, you know, the, 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 the urge to try new things and to expand and, you know, get yes. bigger and whatever. It's like just in our DNA somehow. I put them in the student room. Oh, there you go. You got to teach them young to love the moving lights. So oh, when they move right. into the adult community. Right. <laughs> Smart. This is the long game. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Nice. Well, Dan, thank you so much for making time. This is great to kind of connect. And yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. What a great conversation. I mean, talking with Dan was such a great reminder about how important people are, especially the importance of people over gear. And I loved his statement, you know, put your faith to work. You know, by getting people involved and serving, we're giving them handles for their faith. And they aren't just showing up for church and leaving, but they're putting their faith in action. That was so cool. As we were talking about volunteer recruitment, I love that his last course of action was actual recruitment. And that his first course of action was to work on retaining the people that he already has. And he mentioned several ways, maximizing the time together on Sunday, sending an email once a week to bless and encourage the team, and then a once a month hang at his house for a campfire. I think I'd like to go uh, hang out at their house one night. And anyway, uh, yeah, lunch during the week. These are amazing ways to focus on relationships and helping people be connected to you and also to the mission of the church. You know, instead of them feeling potentially like they're just a means to an end. And his second mode for recruiting is to cross train the people he has. And I love this. I mean, if somebody who is already a key player on the team and loves serving, can learn something new, a few other positions, and then you have more options of the people to draw on that you already have when it comes to a crisis. You know, somebody shows up, calls in sick or whatever, you can call your key people and they're trained on multiple things. And, you know, when he t started talking about recruiting, you know, I'm, I don't know about walking up to strangers in the lobby and asking them to serve, if that would be something that I could do. But it does bring up the point of what would you be willing to do for the sake of your team and for your church? I mean, everything we do isn't always easy. And I can remember when I needed to fill up my team with new people, I dropped pretty much everything else and focused all my energy on finding new people, whatever it took. And I think this idea of talking one-on-one -on -one with people, 
highlights that recruiting volunteers is not easy and that there is no magic bullet, and it requires effort to build a team. Volunteer recruitment is one of the many topics of discussion that happen in Philo cohorts, and registration for the next cohort goes live this week, so keep an eye on social media and emails for the release. An exclusive deal just for podcast listeners, you can use the code PODCAST33, that's lowercase podcast, and the number 33, and you can get $33 off your registration. Head to philo.org slash coaching for more info and to register. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at at philo community to keep up to date on all things happening, including the new cohort release. So think about subscribing to our podcast or newsletter. You'll also get alerts that way from Philo. All right. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Philo Podcast. Thank you.